Amen. I'm noticing today a, <clears throat> a number of, of guests, and I just want to say my name is Rodney Payne, and uh, this is my church home, and this place, in this very room is where we gather to worship, and we're glad that you are here uh, today. It is a good place to be. I am feeling blessed, and I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here. Before we even pray today, I want to affirm the very core of the gospel, to affirm salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 verse 9 is where we gather this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for our good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. When we, in faith, open our heart and mind to God and, and, and welcome in his gift of salvation, we are given God's savings grace. This is by faith, not by works. But once we enter into that secure, saving relationship with Jesus, we are invited into a walk of faith that is meant to move, to grow, to develop, to mature. We are his workmanship. He is working on those who have given their heart and received his grace. In Christ, God wants to grow us to do good things for him. God has prepared in this present life, this real life here and now that you and I are living, God has prepared in this present life experience a real walk of faith. And this walk is meant to move, to grow, to mature, not by our works, but by his grace working in us. Today I want to share with you some things and I just wanted to make clear that what I'm about to share uh, is not about works to earn God's grace, but it's very much about growing in the amazing transformative grace that has been given to those who have received him. And if you happen to be here today and you've never had that moment that you've received Christ as your savior, and been blessed by his working grace, I just encourage you to make that choice for Jesus. That being said, I want to invite you uh, to have a word of prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, you're good to us. Your grace is amazing, it's transforming, it's sufficient, and we are blessed. Lord, send us your spirit. Uh, uh, attend our minds, attune our minds to your spirit so that we might hear whatever it is you have for us today. I pray, Lord, that to that end, you'd bless my words more of you and less of me. Uh, Lord, I pray that each person would hear a word from you today. 
In your name we ask, amen. I'd like to invite you to consider with me for just a moment two words that are essentially opposite one another. Those two words are growth and stagnation. Growth. Growth is that, we know what it is, but it's that process of of developing, that process of progressing, that process of maturing. Growth in healthy ways is is a good thing. Growing in our Christian faith, growing in our our spiritual relationship connection with God, growing in, in how we follow Jesus Christ in this life is a good thing. We desire it. We ought to desire it. We want to develop in greater Christ likeness. We want to mature. In faith, we want to progress towards that prize of knowing Jesus, of loving Jesus, of serving Jesus, of being in connection with Him. Growth. But then there's this word that kind of stands in opposite fashion of the word growth, and, and that's this word stagnation. The state of, of not flowing. The state of not moving, the the lack of activity, a lack of growth, the lack of development. You've already maybe noticed the images of a of a flowing river versus a stagnant water. When it when a river flows, it stays fresh in part because it's moving. But when water stops flowing, flowing like in a like in a closed pond, it stagnates spiritually. We don't want to stagnate. Spiritually speaking, we don't want to not flow, to not move. We should never desire a lack of spiritual growth. We should never be satisfied with just some stagnant status quo. We should be concerned if we are spiritually not flowing forward, moving, developing, and maturing. There's a gentleman by the name of Lou Holtz, a career football coach, both in the pros and college. He's most well known for his years uh, coaching the football team at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. He is known to be a devout, sincere Catholic Christian, and he's credited with saying the following quote, in this world, You're either growing or you're dying. So get in motion and grow. Can you just hear the the voice of a coach motivating people with a statement like that? It's a strong statement. It's decisive. It doesn't leave a lot of sense of middle ground. In our verbiage today, we might say it this way. When it comes to being a Christian, you are either growing Or you're stagnating, so get flowing and grow. That's what God desires for you. God desires for us is to have that saving relationship with him. And in that connection, in that relationship, the indwelling of him through the Holy Spirit, he wants us to grow, to develop, to mature. I want to invite you in just a few select verses to to hear God give voice to his desire for his children. The first one's in the book of John and in 3 John. And it reads this way in John 10 verse 10. 
Gentlemen, the clicker's just not super responsive for me. If you could move the sensor, maybe. This is what Jesus said. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Apostle John later wrote in 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Abundant life. Certainly abundant life would include uh, the desire that we would have good health, abundant health, that, that the provisions that we enjoy would be abundant. And even in balance, certainly the abundant life could even include in balance the material things of this life. But when Jesus talks about an abundant life, first and foremost, he's talking about spiritual abundance. His desire for you and for me is that, that, that there is an abundance in our spiritual walk with him, that it's growing, that it's maturing, that it's rich in experience. Hear God give his voice to his desire for you in Ephesians 4. Until we all attain, we're not going to unpack every bit of this verse, but just listen for the, the movement of growth and maturity. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. In all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ. Do you see the, the sense of, of maturity and growth that God desires for us? God desires maturing. He desires into the fullness of Christ. To no longer be immature. It's a fine place to begin. It's where we all have to start. But he says to not stay there in a way that you're just tossed around by everything that the world may throw at you. Instead, God desires that we grow up into Jesus. God voices it again in 2 Peter chapter 3. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard. So that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Do you hear God's desire for you? God wants us to grow in grace and in knowledge of him, to be with Jesus now, both now and to the day of eternity, grow in grace, presently growing all the way to the door of eternity. And finally, I just want you to entertain one more, hear God's voice. This one's from Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. God says that, that we start with the basics. And that basic foundation is a turning away from trying to save ourselves. A turning away from works-based salvation. You start there, but he says don't stay there. We should mature on that foundation in faith towards God. In other words, what God is telling us here, yes, we all start at a certain place, but don't just keep rebuilding the same foundation over and over and over again. 
Turn from trying to save yourself. Turn to trusting in God's saving grace. Secure that foundation and then build a life on that. Maturing in Jesus. Growing. Maturing. It's what ought to happen in the life of a Christian. And if we are not growing, we should be concerned. Healthy, average children are supposed to grow and mature and develop. This is my boy Roddy and his doctor, Dr. Brown, the pediatrician. It's what we do, right? We take our children to a pediatrician. Because we want to make sure that what would be natural, normal development is happening. That it's, that it's tracking well. When you take a baby into a pediatrician, the babies get their, their, they stretch them out and they measure their length. They weigh them in a little scale. Their, their heads get major, the circumference. And, and they use those data points to make sure that what would be expected development is happening properly. And when the kids get a little bit older, later on, they measure their height, they, they look at their weight, they, they listen to the heart, they, they check their reactions, their reflexes, even kind of question cognitive kind of benchmarks. Is their verbal skills happening the way that we would expect? Is, is this happening? Is this happening? And when the doctor says, we've checked him out, and he's developing very well, just as we would hope, just as we would expect, he is developing, he's growing, he's maturing. We say, great, that's good news. Glad to hear it. But if the doctor says, in this one area, he's not developing as well as we would expect. The normal parent reaction is say, what's that? Whoa, whoa, that's concerning to me. What does that mean? What, what can we do about this? Help me understand it better. Parents should never just pass it off with a shoulder shrug and say, well, oh well, I guess what are you going to do about that? No, no, no. If you hear that something's not tracking well with your child, you immediately say, I want to understand that. Uh, is there something we can do about that? Is there something that we need to be doing differently? It concerns a parent to hear that what would be expected growth and maturity somehow isn't tracking the way that you would hope it would track. So I need to ask yourself a question. The question I'm inviting you to consider for a moment is, am I growing in my Christian faith or am I stagnating? As you think about that, I want you to know it's, it's okay in fact, it's very wise to be honest with yourself. Questions like that, you do not serve yourself well <clears throat> by being dishonest with yourself and not really acknowledging what you know to be true. It's okay to kind of respond in a way that is just your reality because I just want you to know, all Christians experience seasons of growth and seasons of stagnation. Even the people that we hold up in high regard as tremendous people of faith experience seasons of growth and seasons of stagnation. For example, that great man of faith, Billy Graham, the American evangelist who passed away a year or two ago at the age of 100. Tremendous man of faith. 
He himself acknowledged in his own faith journey, he had peaks and he had valleys. He said this at one occasion, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me or oh God, help me. It's just the reality of following Jesus in this broken life. Even the vaunted man, giant of faith, the Apostle Paul, even he confessed that his life had highs and had lows. In Romans chapter 7, he said, For what am I doing? I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Here the Apostle Paul, this this giant figure of the New Testament, this early church, giant of faith, even in his own faith maturity, his own experience, he had seasons where he says, what is going on? He too had experience when, when what he desired was not what was happening, and at times when what he hated is exactly how he was living his life. At times he even referred to himself as the chief of sinners. I want to show you some visuals just to kind of demonstrate a little bit further. Here's here's a very simple visual of spiritual stagnation. We don't want this. This is trying to portray in a very simple way that there's this moment where an individual has received Christ into their life. They've accepted Christ. They've become a Christian and and Christ then dwells in them and and some growth begins to happen. But then there's kind of some, some patterns of revival and then some downturns. And as life goes forward, the trend is stagnation and dying. We don't want that. Here's a little graph of spiritual growth the way that we would like for it to be. This is what we would love to be the case, wouldn't it? That at some moment in our life, we receive Christ. He enters in. He begins to work on us. And from that point forward, it's just this nice, steady, steady climb of growth and maturity. Smooth all the way to the very doorstep of heaven. Wouldn't we like that? Is it true? Is that exactly your, is this you? No. This isn't real because we're real people pressing forward into Christ in a very complicated, broken world and condition with highs and lows. This is what the real spiritual growth journey looks like. This is trying to depict the idea that that we receive Christ. He enters in, begins to work with us. We engage purposeful living in Christ. We grow. We regress. We sense stagnation, we, we, we turn back to Jesus in repentance, we, we trust in him to work a good work in us, he begins to renew us and revive us, we grow, and then there's a downward turn, and this journey is just as this cycle would suggest. This is real Christian growth. This is real genuine reality, just spiritual growth. It's not a straight line. But the trend in growth is maturity and development. And I just want you to notice something. 
Notice that over time in walking with Jesus, maturing in Jesus, that there comes experiences where our valleys can be higher than our earlier peaks. Maturity. Maturity over time that that even when we're in a season of stagnation, we're still at a more mature place than what used to be our highest moments. So let's get practical for a few moments. What does a Christian need to do? What does a Christian, a follower of Jesus, who wants to live this life abundantly in a spiritual, vibrant, maturing experience, what do we do when we realize that hmm, life is kind of spiritually flat? I think I'm stagnating. I don't think I'm really growing. When you find yourself spiritually stagnant, how do you begin to flow again? And this is what it really gets down to, isn't it? Being spiritually stagnant, it's just a reality of the walk of faith in a broken world. And, and you may be recognizing that right here, right now, that you're in that, you're in that trough of the wave. You're in that valley. You're in that stagnating kind of experience right now. Your walk is flat. You feel like, you know, I, I, I haven't let go of Christ. You're here today. You're still interested in that relationship with Him. You haven't lost all your knowledge of the things that you have learned, but your experience of growing in Christ, it just seems to have gone stagnant. I want you to know that that doesn't make you a bad Christian. It means you're a real Christian living in a real world, experiencing the same journey that any other Christian experiences. Being in that place in and of itself doesn't define you as a bad Christian. Please hear that. But shrugging your shoulders and saying, oh well, I guess this is the way it is. Nothing I can do about that. That is not a wise Christian decision to make. You may be, and I praise God if that's true of you, genuinely I hope many of you today say, you know, right now it just so happens. I, I know what he's talking about. I, I've been in that stagnation before. I, I, I'm, I remember that. But right now I'm just so grateful in my life that I feel like I'm growing, that, that I'm, I'm pursuing Christ and he's working in me and, and things are going quite well. But let me ask you, knowing your journey past, knowing that there'll come a time in the future where, where things will kind of dip down again, do you know what you'll do when that time comes? When you find yourself, if you were, in a valley again and you realize that you're spiritually stagnant, do you, do you know what to do with that? Let's talk about that for a moment. Let me share with you what I think I think is wise counsel to, to help any follower of Jesus move from stagnation to spur towards growth again. As I stand in my, my own journey today, I just reflect on my own experience as an individual follower of Christ and as a pastor of church communities and observing people's journeys with Christ, I think, in my opinion, there are four important areas Four purposeful living in Christ that need to be given intention in order to move from what we're calling today stagnation to growth. And they are this. Prayer life. Time with God's word. 
engaging in faith community and sharing, witnessing by serving others both in word and action, both in the faith community and outside of the faith community. Often people approach me as a pastor, a privilege, a privileged pastor. People come to me and, and, and we have very meaningful moments of openness. And often people approach me as a pastor in this role and in different words and different ways essentially ask the question that says, how do I jumpstart my spiritual life? I feel like I'm kind of flat, stagnant, not growing. It's not flowing. What do I do? And usually the tone of the question kind of reveals to me that what they're hoping to hear is something brand new. Some silver bullet that they've never even heard of before that just, wow, just absolutely change everything right now. Give me the latest, greatest cutting edge. But unfortunately, my response to them is not brand new. It's the ancient wisdom that has always been. How's your prayer life? How's your time with God's word? Are you engaging in faith-based community? Are you sharing your journey with those in the community and outside of the community? Is this list of four exhaustive? Well, absolutely not. I'm sure there's all sorts of things that could be said that would be correct. But these are the four that I want to highlight with you. And and I'll just let you know, I'm going to highlight those four next Sabbath as we kind of continue in this message. Today, I want to establish something that must come first. Before any attention is given to these four areas of living purposefully the Christian life, there's a foundation that must be in place. Because if this foundation is not in place... Your engagement in those four things will become works in order to revive your own soul. We're not interested in that. That's not going to produce true, genuine spiritual growth and maturity. What we want is to engage in a way that God's grace begins to work in us and brings us to a place of greater growth and maturity. So there's something that really needs to be in place. There's a first things first foundation that must be well established in your heart and mind before prayer, before Bible reading, before faith community engagement of relationship and witnessing These things must be in place. Here it is. First, there must be a turn and trust. Another way of saying that, there needs to be a moment of repentance and recognition. Let me just explain that for just a moment. If you find yourself spiritually stagnant, it is unwise to just accept that as satisfactory. And just the way it's going to be. Like, well, I guess that's just how it is. So be it. I'm comfortable in this place. The very first thing one must do. If you say to yourself, you know what? I feel spiritually stagnant. And I don't want to stay here. I don't think God wants me to stay here. The very first thing one must do is turn back to God a turn. And that's called repentance. To be discontent with the stagnant status quo and to turn from that in your heart and mind. Consider for a moment what Peter preached 
after the witness of the, the, the lame man that was restored and healed. There at the gate, you remember the story? They came upon him and said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He gets up and walks and celebrates, and that miracle of transformation creates quite a little stir, and, and a, an attention, attentive audience kind of gathers around, and Peter preaches, inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, this is what Peter said. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, clearly, the people listening to people needed to come to Jesus, if you will, for the very first time. In its proper context, Peter was inviting them into that new life experience in Christ through repentance. But what Peter spoke here applies well to the Christian who needs to spark new movement towards growing in Christ. Repent. Turn back to God. Return. Come back to your growing faith. That which was causing you to be stagnant, Turn from that and face God again. God offers forgiveness and a new day to those that turn. God offers times of refreshing to those that will return. And this time of refreshing, it's not just a, a second coming eternity reality. It's something right now he offers spiritual refreshing to those who repent and return to be present with him. The most abundant life certainly will be that life in eternity with Jesus. But there is truly an abundant spiritual life available right now. And if that isn't what's happening, turn. Can I recommend that you take to heart the words found in a, in a little book titled Steps to Christ? Just listen to this spiritually enriching insight. Repentance includes sorrow for sin and turning away from it. We shall not renounce sin unless we see its sinfulness. Until we turn away from it in, our, in the heart, in heart, there will be no real change in life. When we turn from that which is stagnating us and in our hearts give ourselves back to God, then change begins to happen. And he begins to work on our hearts again. And growth begins anew. David's authentic prayer of repentance needs to be the prayer we echo. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Having turned toward him again, we must trust that he will begin to work in us to bring about new growth. New maturity, new spiritual development. It's a turn and a trust that we are his workmanship and when we turn and open ourselves to him again, we invite the worker to begin working in our hearts and minds once again. Philippians 1, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, will mature it until the day of Christ's return. We need to turn towards Jesus with confidence. 
He is the one that began the transformation of our spiritual life in him. And we can trust that he'll continue to grow us when we turn to him. Jesus is, the Bible says, the author and the finisher of our faith maturity. Not our works, but his grace working in us. Again, I want you just to hear some deep spiritual encouragement coming from an experienced woman of faith who knows the journey of maturity and growth in Christ is an up and down journey. I just want to share a couple of things and read them and we'll have a closing prayer. Again, from that book, Steps to Christ. As with life, so it is with growth. It is God who brings the bud to bloom and the flower to fruit. The plants and flowers grow not by their own care or anxiety or effort, but by receiving that which God has furnished to minister to their life. The child cannot, by any anxiety or power of its own, add to its stature. No more can you, by anxiety or effort of yourself, secure your spiritual growth. We are His workmanship. His grace working in us. Finally, thank you for letting me just speak these words from the the screen. Many have an idea that they must do some part of the work alone. Oh, please hear this clearly. Many have an idea that they must do some part of the work alone. They have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, but now they seek their own efforts to live aright. But every such effort must fail. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Our growth in grace, our joy, our usefulness, all depend upon our union with Christ. It is by communion with Him daily, hourly, by abiding in Him that we are to grow in grace. Are you realizing on some level that your spiritual life with Christ is not where you would like it to be? The word we're using today, are you realizing that you are moving towards or have been in a stagnant experience with Jesus? I'm glad you're here today. And I pray that you leave this place with a heart that says, I need to acknowledge that. And in my heart, I need to to turn in repentance. And I need to trust in God to do a good work in me some more. Next Sabbath, we'll spend our time considering how God invites us to abide in Him, to live purposefully in Christ as He works His growth in us. I'd like to close with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace that works in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that you call us where we are. And then you want to lead us on a path of growth and and movement into a fuller, abundant spiritual life. Lord, I just want to pray that that anyone here today, that, that one of the fruits of having been together today in worship will just be a sense of renewal, that, that you have forgiveness, that you desire to, to, to pick up the pieces as it were, Lord. I just pray that one of the fruits of our time together would be a willingness to be honest with ourselves and to turn and trust. 
that you have begun something in us. And if we'll embrace you, you'll complete it. In your name we pray. Amen.